What's good, y'all? Welcome back to the 13th episode of the Playmakers Corner Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Simon Villanos. And I'm your other co-host, Cody Stoffer. And you know, this episode, for the bulk of it, we're going to continue our Colorado Playmakers Class of 2021 series, starting off with our top five running backs in the state. But before we get there, we're going to talk about some big news that happened over the weekend that's uh very important to football that's historic actually so cody why don't you go ahead and start that off yeah so over the weekend vanderbilt had the first female power five football player in sarah fuller who was the place kicker for vanderbilt over the weekend and she got her opportunity due to a kicker on vanderbilt testing positive for covid and she's also the goalkeeper for the women's Vanderbilt soccer team. So she's a multi-sport athlete and yeah, with Vanderbilt, they're, uh, they're not a very good program. So as one may expect, they, you know, they didn't put her into a lot of good opportunities, I would say to show her talents, but she did get a chance to do a kickoff at the beginning of the second half, which for people who think that they are football experts and said it was a bad kick, it's called a squib kick. And she did exactly what she needed to do. So, yeah, it was huge, huge news, super exciting, super awesome to experience that in my lifetime, you know, and be able to share that moment with my younger sister, you know. And if you haven't had a chance, go ahead and watch her interview following the game. She had a lot of good things to say and, you know, was uh, understood her situation and the way of her playing. And and then I also wanted to just take some time to say, hey, if you didn't have anything good to say and and you were hoping for her to fail or, you know, saying it was a publicity stunt, I'm sorry, but you're just sexist. Like, that's really all there is to it. And that that will not be tolerated in the future of sport and you know in the future of our society so you better hop on board before you're left behind so yeah. what, what were some of your thoughts about it uh well first off 100 percent agree with everything you said it was great to see it happen um well personally i didn't get to see it happen live because i was trying to watch some of these semifinal playoff games but i was keeping tabs on it it was open in another tab so yeah uh look vanderbilt isn't that good so it's not surprising that she didn't get a ton of opportunities to, you know, score and stuff like that. And that's mostly on everyone else on the team, you know. Also, they play in the SEC, so they don't play around. I personally really don't think that this is a publicity stunt, you know. In, in the SEC, you play to win, especially in football, you know. That's that's everything in the SEC. Uh, so that's important to keep in mind, you know. There's no reason why they would do such a big publicity stunt like this, especially because, you know, girls can't, well, I can't, I won't say can't, but like usually like, you know, when it comes to power five D one schools, like girls aren't going to be like recruited to play like, uh, the majority of positions that are available. Right. So with that being said, it really didn't make any sense for this to be a publicity stunt. This is out of necessity. Uh, this was out of necessity. 
I think did you mention this already that their kickers or punters or whoever are like either tested positive for COVID or were exposed to each other? Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. And so I thought she did a solid enough job. Um, like I said, Vanderbilt wasn't that good, so it's not like a ton was expected out of her. Plus, she's a kicker, so you know there's only so much they could do. I thought it was really interesting reading some of the social media comments, though, because I think they're very reflective on how a lot of, I would say, football fans feel about women in football in general. Women in sports is a, you know, that's a whole conversation. But when it comes to women in football, there's definitely a much different tone to be held there. Uh, Personally, I grew up playing, you know, I, I would say almost every team I played in Texas had at least one girl on their team and they were a solid starter like they did not come off the field and they played they usually played both sides because they were a really good athlete and you know i had a tremendous amount of respect for them i'm not gonna lie when i was a kid i always thought it was a little weird um because you know you just don't see that it's unique right but i always respected those athletes they were great and in my opinion if they could hack it in texas then they could hack it anywhere And so when I moved to Colorado, I really didn't see a ton of that. And it was shocking. Not gonna lie. It was a little bit shocking. Like I knew some, and there's a difference between middle school and high school. But even then, I still knew that there were girls that I played against that were still like competing for their high school teams. They were playing JV, varsity, you know, C team, whatever. Right. And so it was different for me when I came here and I saw that. And I think it was a lot more realistic, um, I would say also real quick shout out you know speaking of texas she is from or i think she graduated from wiley high school and i knew some friends who well i guess i still know them but i know friends who uh graduated from wiley knew her you know they speak very highly of her a lot of people speak very highly of her and so that was that was a good thing to to find out you know that it was a texas girl that became the first one to be a power five football player uh so that that was big time you know, but anyways, back to the criticism and whatnot. I felt like a lot of it was unwarranted, and I think that's very reflective on how a lot of people feel about it. And I don't know, Cody. What do you think about that? Like, do you have any experiences to pull on there? Yeah. So I've played against maybe one or two girls in all like seven years of playing football. It's not. It's not promoted, and that's part of the reason why we don't see like a presence. You know, is that it's not there, there's no kind of bar to reach for, if that makes sense. You know, there's not a professional league for you know little girls to watch. There's not a ton of college football girls to watch, and that's part of the problem. Is, is that you know y- you play things that you see in yourself you know what i'm saying like all but it's all about role models as far as starting a sport so you know seeing sarah fuller play was huge because you know it lets it lets girls know hey we could play football too and uh also want to add on because i just remembered she had to try out for this position like she was invited to try out and she was the only one who was good enough because all their specialists were gone from covid quarantining to be on the travel roster so like um she earned her spot and it's not a publicity stunt so yeah yeah no doubt about it um but you know all in all it was good to see her there i think 
when it comes to the future of girls in football, I think it'll be very interesting to see what happens moving forward. I look, this is just my personal opinion, and I'm willing to like die on this hill. I don't think it's fair that girls, the only way they could actually play like meaningful competitive snaps, like in football, the only way they, they could do that is if they play with other dudes. I personally think that it would go a long way, you know, promoting girls in football. You know, like just like a straight girls, all girls football league teams, whatever. I like to see that competition a little bit better, kind of like the WNBA. You know what I mean? And I've always and I, I OK, I don't want to say I've always felt the way, but I just think that's the most fair because I think the biggest and I know this because like I work, I, I work with kids and I work with, you know, younger um like students all the time middle age middle age middle school age students. <laughs> middle age students i work with middle school age students all the time i think oh i don't think i know the biggest reason that a lot of girls don't play football is just because there is that intimidating factor of going against other guys who have way more experience because they have way more opportunities right and so i do think that it would go a long way having an all-girls flag football league or whatever, you know. And I know the NCAA, I want to say last... Oh, never mind. That that was this year. <laughs> Dang. Well, it's this year... What was that? I said it's been a long year. Yeah, no, it has. It has. But yeah, this year they announced that, you know, there will be uh, female flag football leagues like at colleges and that women will be able to receive scholarships or some sort of scholarship to participate in these leagues and it will be like intercollegiate i think that's the right word with that so that's a really big step forward i'm kind of excited to see that startup it's going to take a while because you know you gotta get the right athletes and you gotta figure out schools and competition and whatnot but but personally i think that's something to keep an eye on i really like that idea and and then just to throw this out there, you know, I've per I've asked my students like, hey, would you support an all girls football like flag football league or whatever, you know? And so how I framed it was like, all right, for the girls, like, hey, would you like would you support it as in would you play in it or like hype it up to other people with the guys? Would you hype it up to other girls? Right. And uh, out of like 230 kids, which, yeah, I know it's a lot of kids. Um I, I want to say around 75% said yes. Uh, the 25% that said no, the majority of them, I think, may have misunderstood the question. Actually, I know they misunderstood the question because uh, I think they felt like they were mostly girls who, like, you know, they're not athletes. They're not sports people at all. You know, so when they read the question, they, they took it as like, would you play in it? And they wouldn't play in it. But I, I'm sure they would support it, though, because that's what makes sense. So. I don't know. Just throwing that out there. Cody, do you have anything else to comment on this before we get moving on? Just congratulations to Sarah Fuller, and I wish nothing but the best for her. And, you know, any girls listening, you can play football. Um, go for it. And then, you know, it to anybody else listening, it's your job to help provide opportunities and environments that are conducive to the increased female participation and girl participation in sport. That's your obligation. So yep. do it. Very but true. I think that does it for that. And we can get started on our top five running backs, senior running backs in the state of Colorado on this edition of Colorado Playmakers Class 2021 Football Edition. So without further ado, 
our number five running back in the state of Colorado is Tristan Graff. Simon, do you want to let us know a little bit about Tristan Graff? And once again, Tristan, if we're saying your name wrong, we mean no disrespect. Uh, we just haven't heard it. So yeah. you. come on to the show and let us know. There we go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, so Tristan Graff, uh, no stars. Actually, just to throw this out there um, so that everyone knows so we don't have to keep bringing it up, nobody on this list has any stars, which I think is really interesting um, because that's where sleepers are born in my opinion. So once we get to the top running backs, we'll address that in a little bit. But nobody on this list has no stars, so that includes Tristan, obviously. Uh, so Tristan Graff, 510. Listed at 165 uh, out of Strasburg High School. Cody, I need to ask you this, but where is Strasburg High School? I tried to look it up, but I'm not quite sure where it's at. I don't know. Uh, I don't know specifically where the high school is, but it's uh, it's in like the Denver-ish area. Okay. Is I assume it's like a smaller school, isn't it? It kind of seemed that way. When I was looking yeah. through this. Yeah, okay. So it's a smaller it's, school. It's further west. <clears throat> of Denver? Yeah. Okay, okay. gotcha. So like past, okay. past um, like Boulder, further west than that. Oh. So, uh, like a mountain town kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so Tristan Graff. Uh, Cody, do you want to start on positives or negatives with him? Uh, I feel like positive is fine to talk about with Tristan. So, okay. Uh, first thing that jumped out to me about Tristan was his stiff arm. Tristan has a very solid stiff arm. It's definitely, you know, his, his go-to move, I would say. Uh, and I, I've seen him push down a lot of people with it while watching this film. Uh, I'd also like to say about Tristan is that he also has a, a very good stride as far as like, you know, on his breakaway runs, as far as, you know, uh, just like the stride length and how one stride just leads into the next that's super important especially like if you want to be a big play guy you have to know how to run and so tristan he's very polished in that sense because there's some other guys on this list who i see get caught from behind and tristan is not one of them so you know those were some things that jumped out to me and tristan can catch too uh he's lined up in the slot in quite a bit of this film and you know the more that you can do then the better chance you have going going to the next level and playing college ball right because uh, some of these running backs you don't see as many passes with them and so for Tristan to be able to line up in the slot return kicks run the ball out of the backfield run the ball out of shotgun uh, the versatility is super appealing you know from from a scout's eye perspective so those were the biggest things that jumped out to me. Simon, what were some of your thoughts on Tristan's film? Yeah, uh, so honestly, a lot a lot of the same stuff. Um, I think, so I listed him down, or I guess I made this note. I said he was definitely a lot more of a receiving running back. Because uh, he, he took a lot of, ca <laughs> he caught a lot of balls out the backfield. Also, like you said, he did line up at receiver, so he has some good film there. And so with all of that being said, you know, the versatility is always important, especially in today's game where uh, running backs are expected to both catch and run. 
And so that's why he's up there, up here. You know, he has that dual threat ability of, you know, running between the tackles or taking a pitch, and then you know, obviously catching balls um, at the backfield, and then even winding up at the receiver spot, which is very helpful. And definitely, it's you know, it's something to keep in mind, especially for teams who run a little bit more of an air raid spread offense. And so that versatility is really important, and he's one of the better guys when it comes to that versatility as well. Um, I'm not, I'm going to try to not echo too much what you guys say here, but I do think he has really good speed for a running back and he's dangerous to take it to the house. He's probably one of the fastest running backs in the States in the state, to be honest. He has a lot of speed on him. He has a lot of juice on him. He, he has a couple gears to him. You know what I'm saying? Like he could, he could get it going. And so that's really good. Uh, I think he's very electric. He has very quick feet. I won't necessarily say he would juke somebody out, but he always makes really good cuts at that top end speed. And so that's very, um, that's very impressive in my opinion. That's a very impressive. So, so yeah, you know, he's, he's a very athletic running back. He's a shifty, he's a shifty running back. Well, okay. I don't want to say he's a shifty running back. I'll say he's a, he's a speedy running back. How about that? Cause I don't yeah, personally think, yeah, that's a lot more <laughs> accurate. I think. Yeah, yeah, because I don't think he'll juke anybody out, like I said, but I think he could definitely burn some people, like, just straight line speed-wise. Um, he looks like a track athlete out there, so, so yeah. Also, before we move on, uh, hey, just a reminder, you know, this is how we're calling it. We've looked through a lot of film, mostly, a lot of it was mostly junior film, to be honest, because of COVID, but we looked through a lot of film when it came to running backs, and, you know, this is just how we see it um and yeah and so we each made a list and then this is like the averaged out version of this list all right um i don't think there's anything i'm missing there but let's get into the negatives or the areas of improvement i don't want to say negatives all the time i will say areas of improvement because i think he can improve here but cody do you mind if i go first here yeah go for it okay uh right away i don't think his frame will be able to hold up at the d1 level he needs to bulk up because he does even on film he looks pretty skinny i would say 510 165 is pretty generous i could probably give him 510 even if he was 59 that's fine he has the speed you know but 165 i i <laughs> i don't know if brother is actually 165 let's be honest when, when i watched the film i was like dude i maybe 155 you know, that seems more realistic, but 165 is a stretch. So with that frame, I know he has a lot of speed on him and, you know, it could definitely be worse. He could be 140, 130. I just don't think that's a D1 frame right now. You know, he could still put on weight, but even at 5'10", 185 or 5'9", 185, that's still a little light to me. Um, and also, I'm not quite sure if he could get there because he does look pretty skinny. So just throwing them out there. Uh, along with frame... I don't think he's the most physical running back, even on this level, which I, does he play two way football, Cody? Is that right? Um, or three A? I think it, it's three A. Okay, well, it's not four A. So even at the three A level, that's definitely concerning that he's not as physical as he could be. Um, I don't know. There's just a lack of physicality when I do see him run. Uh, and I, you know, I get it. He's a speedy guy. So like, there's no need for him to throw down his shoulder when he could just outrun everybody. But that's something to keep in mind. Um, in addition, just because like, you know, if he was to run physically, can his frame hold up? 
right at the next at the college level so that's definitely something to keep in mind and then i don't want to take too much of uh <laughs> of of your oh, areas of improvement one a oh one a that's what i thought they were like a lower level yeah so one a that's that's concerning for sure yeah it's hard to it's hard to you know justify that he's a talent no no doubt you know he's a talent for sure but the fact that he's not you know running as physical as he could even at the 1a level that's like uh, i don't know you know and that's how college coaches will see it as well i bet you know the speed's very you know it's very enticing but if he's not there like if the frame doesn't hold up and he's not on the field then shoot i don't know all right and then last but not least i <laughs> he <laughs> i don't think this is that surprising but he's not much of a pass or run blocker um i i don't know it could use some improvement to be honest i know he's not used that much as a pass or run blocker but you know as long as i know that this dude could block you know and like square up or chop block or whatever then like i'm cool with it you know i know he's a speed guy i know he's a weapon out you know as a receiver and whatnot but i need to know that he could block and so there are some really good blockers on this list and i just don't think he tristan's quite there i think if he bulks up you know and he does become a little bit more physical and he works on his blocking technique he could be a very good back, you know, but that's that's kind of a bit of ways to go at 5'10", 165, in my opinion. And so those are the biggest things, in my opinion, that is uh, that is holding him back, you know. So, Cody, what about you? What are some areas of improvement for Tristan here? Yeah, so for, for Tristan, you know, obviously the weight is a huge factor uh, as far as, like, him wanting to play running back. And then I also put down that, you know, he doesn't have a whole lot of moves outside of outrunning people and sticking his arm out. And like, you know, as a running back, you have to be able to, you know, like you want to have more than one move. And he just really doesn't have that. And I got to be completely honest. I think that for Tristan, he has more of an opportunity at the next level, as far as college, you know, at a receiver position, if I'm being completely honest, he'd still want to gain some size, but I think that that's more his suit or as a return guy is more or less what I see Tristan's outlook as, if that makes sense. Uh, yeah, no, I, I mean, I get it. I, I could see that too. I think he would be, he'd be a very solid receiver for sure, but I, I wouldn't, how should I say this? I wouldn't rule out that he could still play running back at the college level because I know at the college level there are definitely like a wider variety of uh, running backs, um, size-wise and um, skill-wise. You know, so I do think it. Like I said, if he was in a passing, like an air raid type of offense, he'd fit in just right. I think he'd be perfect. You know, the type of guy who. Um, you know, he could run sweeps, pitches, throw him in the triple option. He could do some of that, and then he could catch as well, and you could spread him out at receiver. And so I think he could I think he could definitely play running back at the college level, uh, but there are varying levels of success there, like pretty, pretty wide varying levels of success. There's no guarantee that he'll be great. Just putting that out there. So, so yeah. 
Okay. Are there any other areas of improvement, Cody? Uh, none that I could notice. I mean, his film was pretty limited, too. Uh, most of these guys' film is actually pretty limited because of COVID, I'd say. Um, but, mm-hmm. you know, I, I feel like the, the size and, you know, not having a lot of moves are definitely the biggest things working against him. And they're big enough to cause, you know, concern. Um, I definitely think that Tristan here is a uh, Division II player, which isn't ne- which isn't a bad thing either. Um, and, you know, if, if he's able to get bigger and, you know, uh, maintain his speed at a larger size, I could see him maybe going, like, NAIA. Um, and, and there's nothing to... You know, there's no problem with doing either of those routes. So I'd say sure. that those aren't the worst things to be looking at. Yeah, no, for sure. I think I would agree there as well. Uh, maybe, like, like, look, the biggest thing for me is that I don't actually trust that he's 165. <laughs> like, I really don't, you know. So with that being said, like, I think at the very best, he's maybe an FCS guy maybe but not even like a full scholarship like like probably a partial scholarship or walk-on offer guy i think he has the talent to play at the next level though there's no doubt about it because he's on this list he's a playmaker so and you know there are plenty of teams that need speedy running backs because you can't teach speed (laughs) it's just wait what i said you really can't yeah you really can't so you know that that he has that going for him i could see him bulk up I could see him learn new moves and, you know, improve his footwork and get there and whatnot and be a, the type of running back that could run in between the tackles. But you gotta, I, I don't know, you know, like every person's different. Every person puts on muscle and weight a little bit different here. So, you know, those are just some big questions, but there's no doubt that he's a playmaker. You know, he's dangerous with the ball in his hands and he has a ton of speed and he's very versatile at that. So with all that being said, you know, he takes his fifth spot here. All right. But that being said, Cody, you want to move on to our fourth spot? Yeah. Our number four recruit here is Holden Morgan out of. Oh, my gosh. Highland High School in all I, Colorado. I I knew that too. I don't know why I blinked on it. Okay. Is Holden Morgan at number four out of Highland High School in Alt, Colorado. Now, Simon, you mind if I just jump into the strengths with Morgan here? Yeah, go for it. So Morgan, you know, Morgan never gives up on a play. I think that Morgan has one of the higher motors out of any guy on this list. And he runs super hard. And he's... You know, um, he's super physical as well. And I like both of those things about Holden Morgan. I also think that his footwork is solid. And I think that, you know, his legs are solid enough. We, I've seen Morgan drive a lot of guys. And that's, you know, whether he's running the ball or whether he's picking up blocks. He's solid at both. And he has a very strong base, I'd say, as far as, you know, when he either plants to go upfield or plants to place a block. So those are both very good things to see. And then also I think that, you know, he has some sneaky agility. I, I was blown away. I think Holden Morgan was the first one I saw do spin moves 
while watching this film. And there's one play, Simon, I think you know what I'm talking about, where he spun like three times before he scored a touchdown. Yeah, he was feeling it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he just, he he looked almost like a computer glitch, just spinning over and over again. But he ended up in the end zone. And, uh, you know, I think that's also, that particular play feeds into the never giving up on a play kind of mentality that you see Holden Morgan runs with. And so those were the biggest strengths that I saw with Holden Morgan. And, uh, you know, he's, he's also way bigger than our last recruit. He's 6'3", 215, and he looks it, too. I wouldn't be surprised if he actually weighed more, if I'm being completely honest. And this season, he still ran for 1,000 yards and 16 touchdowns to add on to his 42 total high, high school touchdowns. So, Simon, what were some strengths that you saw from Holden Morgan out of Highland? Uh, so Holden Morgan, he was somebody that uh, I, I kind of had to dig for, right? Like, obviously he was up there with stats and whatnot, but, you know, he had, he is out of Highland High School out in Alt, Colorado, which is – it's it's pretty close. It's like right next to Eden, Colorado, which I don't know. I feel like that's not the biggest – the best uh, landmark. But Eden's like next to Greeley, Colorado, which is where we live, so – it's a little bit of ways from Greeley, right? It's out in the countryside, um, and it's you know he, he plays for a small town, and so with Holden Morgan here, uh, Co- Cody, have you ever seen Friday Night Lights, like the show? I mean, I, I know you've seen the movie, I think, but have you ever seen the show? No, I haven't watched the show. That's a shame. It's worth a watch. <laughs> it's worth a watch, but this isn't a this isn't an ad for Friday Night Lights. But for those of you who have seen Friday Night Lights. He's very comparable to a Tim Riggins type of running back. You know, Tim Riggins obviously started at fullback and then moved over to running back. But he's like a bigger, like, country boy, like, physical running back. And I love the way he runs. Um, there there are flashes of James Conner there, the Steelers running back for me. And so I, I love how he plays, you know. First things first, you know, he was first team All-State as a junior. Um, and like I said, he's known for his physical running style. I think he might be not okay, not even my I think he is the most physical running back on on this list, to be honest. I just I just think so. Like he's a bigger dude. You know, he'll put his um he'll put his shoulder down and he'll run over somebody too. And he you could tell he loves it. Like he he loves the contact and like he's he kinda has like a like a second wind whenever he does get hit and he breaks that tackle and you could see that slowly build the more tackles he breaks you know and he does break a ton of tackles he's hard to bring down like you said Cody already has a very high motor and he always keeps his like uh yeah sorry he always keeps his legs turning you know another thing about Holden Morgan that I really like is that he's a great he has great ball carrier vision in my opinion uh I think he does a really good job of using his blockers well and then even sometimes setting up his blocks right like he's a very disciplined runner he doesn't always bounce outside in my opinion like I think he's somebody who he knows he's a bigger dude right we already mentioned he's 6'3 215 he probably weighs more than 215 at this point to be honest because that was his uh listed uh intangibles as a as a junior in high school so there you go but i think he knows that he's a bigger dude and so that kind of contributes to his confidence when it comes to running in between the tackles and just being a very good running back from that standpoint um so yeah and then and then last but not least uh he's a very very 
good pass and run blocker. In my opinion, I think he's the best passer run blocker uh, running back wise in the state at this position right here. Um, he's he's really good. He's a physical dude. Cody, I don't know if you've seen his highlights as a blocker, but like it's not just like, you know, good form and stuff like that. Like he'll obliterate anybody <laughs> in his way when he's blocking. Like when he's lead blocking, like he almost always destroys that first defensive end or linebacker or sadly enough, sometimes even secondary players. They definitely don't stand a chance. And so yeah, he, anytime I saw him pull, I felt bad for the secondary because yeah. they couldn't compete. Oh, yeah. No, definitely not. And then as a pass block, but as a pass blocker, um, I mean, I okay, we'll, we'll get to the weaknesses later, but he's still a very solid pass blocker. He's not afraid to be physical and he'll <laughs> he doesn't need help as a running back like I've I'm pretty sure I saw this dude lay out a defensive tackle at one point. So there, there you go there. So there's a lot of power, a lot of strength there. And so uh, with all those things said, he's a very, I think it, he's a very versatile back. Like low key, you could probably play a little bit of fullback on that next level as well. Or even transition to a fullback tight end type of thing. But uh, as a running back, he is very talented. Um, but let's, let's get into the areas of improvement. Cody, do you mind if I start here? Yeah, go for it. Okay. <sighs> Okay, so he he has some speed to him, right? Like, I'd say he's a pretty sneaky, like, he has some pretty sneaky speed, right? For someone his size, he could definitely move a little bit. But I would say his top-end speed is definitely questionable, and it's most likely capped right now. Like, I don't think he's going to get any faster. Um, and with that being said, he's not really a home run hitter. Like, if he gets open field, it's not a guarantee that he'll bring it to the house, like, he'll probably, you know, he'll get some good yardage and whatnot, but, like, he would definitely get ran down. Um, so there you go. You know, he's just, the speed's definitely capped there. And so, in my opinion, I'm not quite sure if he has the speed to really compete with the guys at that next level. I think for him, you know, like, I, I don't know, like, I we call i call this an area of improvement but i really don't know how much faster this dude could get so to be honest like if he just gets stronger and then nobody could tackle him no matter how fast he is then cool that works out too but he just has to know that like you know there's definitely you know there's he has to compensate for that lack of top end speed so there you go in my opinion he's probably the slowest guy on this list too despite being probably the most physical guy so that's definitely something that can be kept in mind. Uh, I, I already kind of brought this up, his explosiveness. Um, he has good explosiveness, good explosiveness, but I think he could be improved on, you know. Uh, if he got into a really good offseason program, like, well, I guess, <laughs> I don't know. If he just got into a college offseason program anywhere, because I don't think Highland High School's offseason program over at all is all that crazy. Uh, I think he could really see, like, bounds and strides made there uh, with his explosiveness and like i said you know you gotta compensate for that top end speed so bam there you go work on the on those short bursts and you know work on getting to your top speed a little bit faster right and then last but not least uh he played for a smaller school in a smaller league so there are questions about whether he can dominate the same way against bigger defenders uh i think he can but like I said, he played for, you know, 
<laughs> Highland High School over at all. I'm I'm pretty sure they're two A, aren't they, Cody? Or maybe even one A, to be honest. They're not three A. I'm pretty sure. They're uh, not three A because Eden's not three A, and they're bigger than them. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. So there are questions there. But with that being said, Cody, what about you? What are some uh, areas of, of improvement or concerns for Holden Morgan here? Yeah. So for Holden, I think that you know, even though I I touched on how he's kind of yeah, um, Highland is one A by the way. So you know, that's always a concern. Mo- most of these guys are going to have the uh, level of competition question uh, up until at least one of them. But yeah. Holden Morgan, even though I commented on, you know, he has solid agility, that's not his brand, and I think he tries to play agile maybe too much. Uh, you know, it, he enjoys contact, but I think sometimes he just he makes a move that's unnecessary, and when he's already not super fast, that allows the rest of the defense to catch up to him. Uh, his moves aren't... Uh, it, like, look, if you're holding Morgan and you're in the open field and there's a safety in front of you, your better bet is to just run over him rather than, like, try and juke him. And then, like, you know, by the time you do that move, you're not – like, the cornerbacks are already there. First is if you truck him and just try and maintain your forward momentum, I think that there's a lot more plays that are available to you. Secondly, I think that, uh, at least in this film, yes, he – does like contact but he also go- bounces to the outside like a lot a lot a lot and i wasn't a huge fan of that uh especially because i mean he's just not fast enough to always bounce outside if that makes sense as his go-to move and then yeah also i also put that he's not insanely fast uh and i mean really all these other attributes kind of go hand in hand with him not being the fastest back here so yeah i think that's fair um you know i i think that's fair i think i mean i don't know like just because he's not the fastest back it doesn't mean like he can't still be a really good player on the next level or even get looks at the nfl um you know just to throw this out there i know okay well i guess i don't know this for a fact but i'm pretty confident that this dude probably looked up to Austin Eckler, who, you know, he, uh, uh, Austin Eckler went to Eden. I already mentioned them a handful of times, and Eden's right next to Alt. And, you know, I think, you know, he, he looked up to him. He saw, like, hey, that's someone who works really hard. That's someone who kills it in the weight room. Like, I don't know if you've ever seen Austin Eckler's workout videos, but for a receiving back, that dude's pretty goaded in the weight room, not even gonna lie. So, with all that being said, I think that's probably someone to look up to. And I think his work ethic will have to carry him because <laughs> his speed's not just simply that, you know. So, that being said, Cody, what, are, what is your outlook on Holden Morgan here? Uh, where do you see him uh, going or what do you think he deserves as a senior coming out of, um, coming out of high school? Yeah, so... For Holden, I also think that he's another D2 guy, uh, or NAIA, 
one of those two, I think that he could see some solid playing time. Even as a freshman, as a true freshman, I think that he could play at those levels immediately. Um, I think high-end um, FCS. And another thing about a lot of these running backs, or you know, at least the ones from smaller schools, is they play both sides of the ball. So that never hurts as far as making a case for a special teams player. Um, at higher levels is what I'm saying. There's opportunities for that. So, I, but I think high end, he's an FCS guy. Okay, fair enough. Um, Holden Morgan played a little bit of linebacker, and this is just a note I made. It really doesn't have anything to do with um, him as a running back, but I do think there is some potential there as a middle linebacker or even outside linebacker for Holden Morgan. Um, if he is, if he does weigh more than 215 so say he's even 6'3 220 personally as a defensive guy because cody you're not you know i'm a defensive guy i would really like to see him you know move over to the defensive side of the ball especially with the way he plays physical football i think he could really succeed on that end um he would have to put on a little bit more weight but i'd feel good about him as a linebacker um maybe a load maybe even a little bit more than a running back to be honest so there's that, but yeah, I'll, I'll have to agree. Personally, I feel better about Holden Morgan being an FCS guy than Tristan Graff, though. Um, size isn't a problem. Like the thing with Tristan Graff is that you're not sure if he could, you know, hold up on the next level. With Holden Morgan, <laughs> I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty positive that he could hold up at any level. He could probably hold up even at a power five level um, frame, like physical wise at six, three, two, 15. I, I, I could bet on that. Um, but when it comes to, you know, overall talent, probably not. So I do see him as an FCS starter type of guy. Personally, I think, like I said, he, he could be a very versatile dude who could play tight end fullback, um, I'd, I'd like to see him at fullback because I know there's a low-key resurgence with, at the fullback position. You know, they're becoming a little bit more um, like extra tight ends. And I think he could do that for sure. Uh, it would take some time. He'd, probably, he'd definitely need to redshirt and he'd need to learn that position. But I think there's some talent there for sure. As a straight power running back, uh, I'd, I'd probably say maybe lower FCS, probably higher end D2. I think he deserves a full-ride scholarship, in my opinion, and I think he can get a full-ride scholarship. It just depends where he's at at the end of the senior year. Like, I think the film is there, but for me, personally, as a recruiter, I'd like to see how much bigger this dude could get, how much more explosive this dude could get. I'd like to see how, like, exactly how strong this dude is, um, because there's always room for tough, like, big, buff, like, powerful guys um, in football, you know? um especially out of high school like <laughs> especially out of high school uh, i don't think there will need, need to be a ton of development strength wise once he gets to that college level uh so yeah but i do think he's someone who can get a full ride and be a good start at the fcs level and who knows you know but there's a lot of big ifs there that's the biggest thing but i like i like his game and and yeah i don't think i have anything else to add on to that cody do you have anything else to add no, not really. I think that can take us to break. Cool. Yeah. All right. Coming up next, we got our third best and second best running backs in the state of Colorado. 
coming up next. Welcome back to the Playmakers Corner Podcast. This is episode 13. We're going to continue our series of Colorado Playmakers Class of 2021 Football Edition uh, with our running backs here. So at number three, the third best running back in the state, in me and Cody's opinion, is uh, Noah Wagner, the running back out of Conifer High School. I'm pretty positive that's a 2A school. 3A. I know I've been. Are they? Mm-hmm. 3A. Oh, 3A, 3A. Okay, cool. So they're a 3A school. And so uh, with Noah Wagner here, he's a 6'3", 210 running back. So uh, we're going to start with the areas of improvement first, and then we'll get into the positives. All right. And so, Cody, do you mind if I go here? Go for it. Okay. So uh, here's the thing with Noah Wagner. He, In my opinion, he is not as much a physical power running back type of guy as holden morgan but he but that's hard to match so i can't even blame him for that so physicality in my opinion was something that i wrote down as uh you know as, as something that's definitely concerning and then another thing with him um he he has great speed right but i think he definitely has a really bad tendency of trying to do a little bit too much when running the football and he doesn't really run north or south a ton. Um, he runs, <laughs> shoot, he'll run backwards before he loses yardage or gets tackled. And it works for him because he has great speed. He's a longer, like, running back, you know. He has a way longer strides to him. And so, you know, he's he, he's quick or he's fast, uh, top in speed in, in that sense. But he definitely uses his speed to bail him out of those type of situations uh, where you know if he doesn't have to make contact i don't think he will and so there's some there's something to be said there uh i think he definitely relies on his speed rather than trusting his blockers or even making smart cuts into open space and so who you will see it a lot he just bounces out a ton you know like i said he has great speed but he bounces out a ton i think he relies on that speed a little bit too much right and then last but not least here uh before you go on cody i I think he's a great running back, but his ball carrier vision is about average, I would say. I I wouldn't say he makes, you know, he has tremendous vision and he makes like great cuts into space or he sets he sets up his blockers or anything like that. Like I said, I do think he relies on his speed a bit too much and you know, he uh I don't know. I just I just don't think his ball carrier vision is all that. A lot of the time I saw you know, wide open holes being created by his offensive line, which is good. And so we'll have a little bit of a running start. But other than that, I don't know. I'm a little skeptical of Noah Wagner here. Cody, what are some areas of improvement for Noah here? Uh, by the way, in my areas of improvement for Noah, you know, I think how he could really improve is just getting more discipline as a running back. Reading reading blocks right. Knowing how plays are supposed to work. And um, maybe even working on that agility so it can make better cuts. But anyways, Cody, go ahead. Yeah, so I'm going <laughs> to... I'm going to sound like a... You know, like an echo here a little bit. Because the biggest area of improvement I saw for Noah Wagner was his vision. Uh, very rarely did defenses get penetration that he countered at least in his highlight reel so you know that's something that i see a lot of especially the backs from here on up they do a great job of 
you know, either seeing where the hole is or creating a new one as the play is developed. No Wagner, he had he had lanes to run through. And, you know, I'd even say sometimes he missed his lane. And, you know, it, like you said, ah, geez, it, it's tough because those really are the biggest things is, you know, his vision. And then, you know, he jumps outside a lot. And I think that it was even more confusing because, I mean, the dude's six foot three, 210 pounds. Like, dude, just lower your shoulder and run someone over. Like, um, that's kind of what I was thinking. And then another thing about Noah Wagner that I found is I don't know about his ball security with one hand. Like, a lot of the time they just send him straight up the middle, right? Because he is a bigger body and they just hope that he'll get a quick seven yards through the hole. But... You know, so when he does that, he's running with two hands on the ball and it doesn't look like it's going anywhere. But I, I looked at some of the Green Mountain film, which is a game where he had two of his three fumbles this year and they lost 41 to zero. And uh, it, it just looked like, you know, with one hand, I don't know what it is, but he, he's got to work on a way to tuck it. And then also just switching hands doesn't look like his strongest suit. And, you know, if you overthink that too much, then you're you're bound to make mistakes. And I think that's kind of where Noah Wagner is as far as ball carrier, you know, actually carrying the ball. And then, you know, his his vision could use some work and then just. Yeah, just some more football IQ stuff. So I think watching film and then just identifying where runs are supposed to go. And, and I think part of the reason why he may have not picked up on some things like that is because it it worked at the 3A level for him to bounce it outside, bounce it outside, bounce it outside. And that's just not going to translate super well, I don't think, to the next level. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Um, I don't know. Like, I think I want to say this isn't the biggest deal. Like, you could definitely, like, work on this and get much better uh, quicker than some of these other guys that we've mentioned earlier. But it, it looks like a habit, you know? And that's the biggest red flag to me. You know, like, it looks like something that over the last, oh, shoot, I don't know, two or three years, he's just gotten in the habit of doing, like, just not reading correctly, trusting his speed a little bit too much, not running as disciplined. So, I don't know. It takes some time to break habits. I'm going to be honest there. So, it takes some time. But, anyways, let's get into the positives. Cody, do you want to start this one out? Yeah, absolutely. Go you know, for it. One thing I did absolutely love about Noah Wagner is when he hits the hole, he hits the hole going full speed. It doesn't take a lot of time for, hit it to, for him to hit his top end speed. And... You know, these holes, they're not open for long periods of time. And it doesn't matter if Noah Wagner's in your backfield because he's going to get through the hole. And I think that it, to go hand in hand with that, I think his top end speed really isn't too bad. I think that, you know, he, he's not the fastest guy I've ever seen. But, you know, and I also looked up his recruiting profile and he has a 4-4 40-yard dash recorded. Which is, you know, I didn't expect him to be that fast, but he is a bit faster. Uh, definitely faster than the previous two backs, I think. Um, well, maybe not Tristan Graf, top end speed. But, you know, he has good burst is, is a good way to summarize that. And he is quick enough to play college football. Absolutely. I have zero doubts about that. I also think that 
Noah Wagner, he, you know, it, he does bounce outside to the lot. Out, he does bounce outside quite a bit, but when he does lower his shoulder, he falls forward and he keeps his legs moving. I don't know why. I don't know if there's like a story behind why he bounces outside more instead of lowering his shoulder, but he's capable of lowering his shoulder and picking up some yards. And that's always good to see that he's capable of that because then you can encourage that and continue to develop that aspect of the game and turn Wagner into a more well-rounded running back. I think the last thing that I want to say about Noah Wagner is he do, he has pretty good field awareness, I'd say, when uh, running routes out of the backfield. They, they have this play-action boot play at Conifer, you know, where the running back leaks out on the play side and he ran it to varying lengths according to wherever the defenders were and i was pretty impressed by that for that kind of situational field awareness from wagner just a based off of his usual habits as a running back but b also being a running back not like not like tristan graff who does line up outside but being a running back who does line up in those positions and then finds ways to move the chains, pick up touchdowns, and fall forward. So all those things impressed me. Simon, what are some strengths that you had for Noah Wagner, who, by the way, was tied for the uh, Colorado lead with 19 touchdowns this this past season? So Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, the stats are there. You know, he, he put up stats even in the limited uh, COVID era season he played in, which was great. I think he did everything he probably could have uh, statistically this season to get himself a better offer than what he already has. So there you go. Love to see that. Um, speaking of stats, I would say that he puts up stats consistently year by year and he shows he could handle, uh, you know, a much larger uh, workload. Like he's someone who could definitely be kind of a workhorse type of back if used correctly. Uh, the type of running back I would kind of peg him as is probably a one-cut type of running back. Like, you won't see him do a bunch of, like, you know, jump cuts or, like, a bunch of crazy juke moves. But, you know, all he needs is one cut. And then, bam, I think he's very dangerous in open space. You know, I think his speed I, – I wrote it down here. I think he has pretty elite straight line speed. A 4-4 is really good. <laughs> especially at this level I, I think that's really good for someone who honestly like probably hasn't had the time to refine his running style and all of that you know like there's probably still more refinement there so what we're looking at is basically a sub 4-4 guy potentially and Noah Wagner which is <laughs> which is elite in my opinion and so he just doesn't like, you know, he's a taller guy, so he takes longer strides and whatnot. So he looks like he's running a bit slower, but he's he's a fast dude. Like he reminds me of a Eric Dickerson or Adrian Peterson type of runner, runner, not running back, but type of runner when it comes to that. And so I think when he does get into open field, like any open field, you know, he's a threat to take it to the house. Really couldn't say that about a lot of these other guys, really. Um, but I'm pretty confident that he could do that. Another thing is I really like his hands as a running back and he caught a lot of balls out of the backfield. He also ran a variety of routes for running back. I think you uh, briefly mentioned this, Cody, but, you know, that counts for something, especially on the goal line, because this dude's a 6'3", 210 pound running back. He might be lighter than 210, but 
I mean, whatever. I could live with 63190 to be honest, and that's still really good. So frames a plus. But like I was saying, especially on the goal line, I think he could be a dangerous, dangerous weapon. Um, just as a goal line guy, you know, like he could he could either run it in or he could definitely run around and uh, catch it, you know, because he does have a huge frame. And so I think that's something to definitely keep in mind when it does come to uh, Noah Morgan. And then last but not least, uh, he makes really good cuts and changes directions well at top speed. Like he doesn't need a slowdown to change directions. It's a pretty like he's a pretty, pretty smooth running back, I would say, in that manner. So. So, yeah, but. With no with Noah Wagner, there is a lot of things I really liked. Um, like he's a home run hitter. I would say that a lot of most of his yardage were off of like 20 plus yard runs um, most of the time. Like it was rare that he got caught in the backfield. Like I said, if he sees an opening, like that's that's a score basically. So you know, a lot of big positives here. But let's talk outlook, uh, college and moving forward. So Cody, do you mind if I go first here? I do not. Proceed. Okay, uh, I think he's an he's a very solid FCS running back. Maybe even low key, maybe even uh, like a CUSA like uh, Mountain West type of back as well. I could see a little bit of that. He he wouldn't be like you know a starter day one at all. He'd probably need some time to develop. But with the potential here, and there is a lot just straight line speed and frame wise, um, like raw speed and raw, like, like just frame wise in general, like he's definitely like a, like an, a D one guy, I would say maybe even D two. If he was D two, I think I could see him starting day one, to be honest. But, um, as a D one guy, I think he's someone who will probably take the more traditional route, you know, red shirt his freshman year, maybe even take his sophomore year and then be a guy that could burst onto the scene as a junior or a senior. Uh, I feel confident about him at the FCS level for sure. Definitely a D2. Um, but I think it would be pushing it to call him a Power 5 or even a, a Mountain West type of guy. I think he can be, but there's a lot of development that would need to be done there. Some habits would need to be broken. I'd also, I didn't mention this earlier, but i like to see his agility improve a little bit, like in uh, short distances. So i like to see some of those cuts be improved on, but... Um, I do think he's a D1 guy, uh, FCS most likely, and you could definitely. I think he should definitely have a full ride. I don't think, Cody, you could correct me if you know this, but I'm pretty sure he doesn't have any full ride offers right now from a D1. I right. haven't seen any. Uh, I was trying to figure out who did and didn't, and a lot of these guys don't have offers from Division One. Uh, I could. I could see him, you know, potentially receiving. It's tough to say. I could see him being like a full ride guy at NAIA or lower FCS for sure. Uh, just based off of his size and speed alone. Sure. You know, that's that can get you in a lot of places. Being six foot three, around 200 pounds, that's kind of where you definitely want to be as a prospect in in football. And it also helps that, you know, once again, Noah Wagner also plays on the defensive side of the ball. So, you know, that opens up some more opportunities for him. But I definitely think he'd be a good running back. And, you know, as far as, like, improving agility, that's not the hardest thing to improve. You know, that's a – I said no. that that's just a lot of little, you know, cone and ladder drills. It could be the difference between, you know, him 
running for 20 yards and him running for 60 or 80. Honestly, you know, he really is a big play threat. Uh, I'd love to see him get a chance, you know, in the FCS. I think that, you know, he could flourish in, you know, even like the big sky. I think that there's opportunities for him as a sophomore or as a junior to see the field at a running back position. So especially, especially if he makes improvements to his agility and then if he gets stronger and I think if he embraces his size, then I think that he could go a lot further as well. So, yeah, no, I agree. Um, and look, it's not fair, but like college coaches definitely offer scholarships based on potential, right? Based on just raw athletic ability sometimes. Maybe they don't usually like they don't even have to be, I guess, skillfully that skilled. But if they could run and they're a bigger dude, like, heck, yeah, they'll give you a scholarship. You don't see that a ton because that to them, what they see is not like, you know, a senior 18 year old that has a lot of flaws. To them, what they see in, in, in an 18-year-old usually is someone who could potentially be like a Derrick Henry type or potentially be like an like a Eric Dickerson, Adrian Peterson type on that FCS level, right? And so I think that's definitely something to keep in mind. And he'll probably get recruited in offers based on his size alone. Obviously, he has the numbers to show for it, though. Like, let's not get it twisted. Like, this dude has been in the top, I want to say three or so when it came to stats uh, for the last two years, you know, so even as a junior, he was doing better than some uh, senior running backs. So with that being said, there's a lot of pluses there. I like him as an FCS guy, even as a big sky guy. Um, I don't know why this was the first team to come to mind, but I could definitely see like a Montana or a Sac state uh, picking this guy up. I could see Sac State doing it because they're more of a track school anyways. And so if Noah runs track, then bam, there you go. Like that's, that's you know, it's good to have an extra runner on hand just in case. But um, yeah, I don't know. I think that's that's pretty solid though. Um, I, I like what I saw from this guy. He's just raw, you know. I think just skill-wise, ball carrier vision-wise, he's just very raw. Athletically, I think it's there though for the most part. I mean, sure, he could get bigger and work on his agility, but... Low-key, you could probably do that this offseason and be set, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. But with that being said, let's move on to our number two guy. Cody, why don't you go ahead and introduce him? Yeah, so this may be a surprise to some, but, you know, if you look at the film, I don't really think it's a surprise at all. Our number two guy is James Walker II out of Cherry Creek High School. And, man, he's good. He's really good, uh, but we'll start we'll start with weaknesses first because that's what we did for Noah. And I I only have a couple weaknesses for James here. First off, he gets caught from behind, and I don't really see a reason why that should ever be the case. But upon further examination, you know, and watching more film, it James Walker isn't the most balanced running back I've ever seen. And when I say balance, I mean not as in like the football sense of balanced as an aspect of the game, but just straight up balance. Like he could be pushed over kind of easily and he's kind of top heavy for no really good reason. I don't think he also gets ankle tackled a lot, which is super frustrating to watch when he's so athletic and so explosive. 
so yeah, I think that, and I, I think that those are things that are pretty easy to work on. Uh, if you ask me, um, no, I think that uh, I, I don't have any 40 yard dash time to prove this, but I think Noah Wagner might actually be faster than James Walker. But I think that James Walker is a lot more dynamic at this stage in their careers. So my big, my big, biggest uh, areas of improvement. That's what I got to start calling it instead of weaknesses. You're right, Simon. That's that positive coaching that we learned about, you know, <laughs> for for thousands of dollars taught us is a. Uh, you know, know. It's all about how you word things. But anyways, uh, <laughs> areas of improvement for James Walker the second is definitely working on his balance first and foot ah, first and foremost. You know what? Whether that's you know, doing more core workouts, I think is, is a good area to start and, you know, working on playing lower to the ground. Um, and then just like working on recoveries, like, man, he just gets, it's so frustrating to watch because he left a lot of yards and touchdowns on the field. I think, you know, just watching through his film. Um, so yeah, th those are the biggest areas of improvement I have is his balance, getting caught from behind, and uh, yeah. All right. So, I mean, what were what were some areas of improvement? See that AOI uh, that you, <laughs> that you were thinking for James Walker here out of Cherry Creek High School. Uh, yeah. So I well, let's talk about his speed, his top end speed, because you did bring up how he got caught from behind a lot. I thought that was very interesting because he does seem like a more explosive type of running back. But with that being said, I do think that there is definitely a little bit more to be desired from a straight line speed. Um, I'd like to see him develop another gear if possible. I think he can. You know, it just takes some explosive training. Um, explosive training. That's that's not what it's called, is it? <laughs> that sounds like something else. <laughs> well, shoot. What is it? Oh my gosh. Uh, short burst training. That's what I meant. Bam. Yeah. So I think he could definitely use some speed training and, um, you know, some short burst training to get to that desired straight line speed wise. I honestly think he's maybe a step or two off from being like, you know, a good, a good, you know, I, okay. I wouldn't say home run hitter, but better than what he was before. Um, someone who could be definitely more of a D one power five type of guy. So that, that's the biggest thing there. I think he could do a little bit more work there. Another thing, uh, it's interesting how you mentioned his lower body, but personally, I think his upper body his upper body strength can be improved a lot. Um, he throws a stiff arm, but there isn't exactly a lot of power behind it. There are different types of stiff arms, like there are jabs, there are ones where you're straight throwing somebody down, or there are some where you're catching them in the chest. So there's all of those, but like when he throws a stiff arm, it's not like... <laughs> like i don't know i just i'm not it, it doesn't do much for me to be honest like it looks a little unnecessary at times because it barely really makes that much of a difference if he throws it or not so i like to see his upper body strength improve a bit um I, you know obviously his frame i would like to see him fill in but uh, upper body strength of primarily in his arms i'd like to see that stiff arm get a little bit stronger because combined with that experience with that speed uh, and that explosive agility, I think that stiff arm could be lethal if, um, you know, if progressed correctly. So there you go. And then, so this will, this is kind of a bigger deal. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't want to call it errors of improvement because he could be really good here, but 
This is just how I see it. Personally, he plays on a very stacked team. The more I do research for the Colorado Playmakers of class of 2021, the more I'm realizing how stacked this Cherry Creek team is on both sides of the ball. I'll be honest, like there are a lot of D1 guys on both sides of the ball. Um, even guys who aren't playing football. We already mentioned one in the last uh, in the last position group that we talked about at quarterbacks with Julian Hammond the third. But like I really do feel like at every position they have they might have a D1 guy. And so with that being said, he wasn't really asked to do I would say the full range of workhorse responsibilities that a lot of other running backs on the list have been doing. So blocking, that's a big one. Catching the ball out of the backfield, that's a big one. I, I just didn't see it, you know? And so because of that, oh, also because he played on a stack team with a quarterback, you could potentially run it himself or throw it, plus another D1 wide receiver on that squad as well. I don't think he really faced a lot of stacked boxes that were really keying in on stopping him. Um, which makes it, it makes me wonder a little bit like, you know, how how much of a system player he might be. Like I know athleticism wise, he's pretty good. He's there. But it does make me wonder if he is a system player, if he needs that kind of help to be a productive type of player. Um, because it wasn't like they were stacking boxes. Against Holden Morgan, Noah Wagner, you could even throw in a little bit of Tristan Graff. They were stacking the boxes against them because they were their, you know, those running backs were their best weapon. I don't know if James Walker uh, was Cherry Creek's best weapon, to be honest. And that's no knock on him. That's a knock on, <laughs> well, that's not even a knock. That's just saying that this team is extremely stacked. And so with all that being said, those are definitely things to keep in mind. Um, I wouldn't call them areas of improvement. For me, it's just unknowns. Like, I don't know if this dude's that great of a blocker. I don't know if he could run routes that good. I don't know how good his hands are, you know. And so with all – or I don't even – I don't know if he could go up against stacked, uh, you know, boxes on the defensive side and rip those apart just like he did with uh, some of these other defenses that he went up against. And so those are just a lot of I don't knows. Um, I like the potential I see there, though. I'm just saying those are things to keep in mind. Or I'm just saying those are things that college coaches will keep in mind when they're recruiting this kiddo here. So, I don't know. Co Cody, before we move on, do you think that's fair? Like, I know you have firsthand experience with Cherry Creek. So, but do you think that's fair? It is definitely something to point out. I, I don't think that you're being unfair by pointing that out. Cherry Creek is, they're good. They're defending state champions you know, for a reason. And uh, I didn't get a chance to check the scores this weekend, but I'm pretty sure they're still on their way towards repeating as of right now in 5A. So, yeah, so they're going to the state championship game against Valor Christian on uh, Saturday, actually. Yeah, so yeah, that it's fair to point out. It's fair to point out because it's just true. You know, Cherry Creek, is they're, they're dang good. But, you know... To still be dang good on a dang good team is a dang good thing. You feel me? No, you're right. You're right. I'm just like, this isn't really a knock against him. This is just, you know, a knock on the situation he's in. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Because also, every team that Cherry Creek's played, they really haven't had that big of a challenge 
um, so far, at least from what I could see, just by looking at the box score, it doesn't look close. It looks like they've obliterated pretty much every team they faced, probably dating back to even last year, too. So this is a two-year thing going on this second year. So, But with all that being said, Cody, do you want to start off with positives on James Walker here? Uh, sure, I'd love to. So James Walker, at one thing that Walker has that I didn't see too much from other guys on this list is good vision and patience in the backfield. He was really good at waiting for the hole to develop and was really good at slow playing you know, certain plays where he was looking for a cutback lane or whether to, or whether to push it outside. And that is, that's big time to see, especially out of an 18 year old to see patience. And, you know, he kind of reminds me uh, a little bit. I mean, this is just like the, the modern example. And I don't think that this is his full comparison, but just Le'Veon Bell in the sense of, you know, prime Le'Veon Bell, where he's he's putting his hand on his pulling guard, right, and waiting to see what he does, and using like bodies to get a gauge on his sense of direction. So that it that was really impressive for me to see. And I also think that Walker, while he's easy to trip up, you know, like shoelace tackle, when he does break down to make a move, his base really allows him to do anything, whether that's lurch forward, jump cut change or or just make like a quick little cut you know uh he, he has a very solid base and a solid foundation to push off of as far as changing directions or making any moves i think that his arsenal of moves is super high because of his leg strength and his footwork it at least while you know approaching contact it's different than running away from contact when you're approaching contact and what your footwork is like and I'd say that arguably that's the harder thing to improve on. So uh, I'm not too concerned about some of the areas of improvement. And then I also think one thing that I really liked about James Walker is he finishes runs. I mean, a lot of his touchdowns happen at the corner of the end zone where there's a safety and a cornerback or a linebacker waiting for him. And he'll dive. He'll, he'll fly over the top if you're on the goal line. And that's saying something because, I mean, I don't know if we brought this up, but James Walker is five foot 10, 170 pounds. So first off, I don't think that his size is a problem, but he's also not as big as some of these other guys, but he's not afraid to be physical. I mean, man, just the way his body contorts sometimes when he dives for the end zone, I'm like, uh, I mean, like I respect the heart, but like be a little bit more careful maybe because you have a future past Cherry Creek High School, <laughs> but um, right. you know, I, I did appreciate it still and I will recognize it and point it out that he's capable of doing that and um you know that that is something that is noticed but those are those are my biggest strengths is good vision and patience you know uh i think the second best vision and patience in the state and you know excellent base out of like you know excellent running also um i think one thing that i forgot to mention about like uh I think one gap about Tristan compared to Holden, Noah, and James is that they get handoffs out of the backfield, but a lot of Tristans were, or, or I should say under center, but a lot of graphs were out of shotgun. So, Wait, you said a lot of graphs were under shotgun. Out of shotgun. Did you mean Walker? Like, no. Were you wait? Were you making a comparison there, or were you just? 
I was just saying that oh, Graf, okay. Graf is one of the guys who's out of shotgun, and that'll come up more when we talk about our number one guy for me. Uh, oh, my no, bad. Okay. J- I, no, James I Walker, he, he does get handoffs out of shotgun, but he also gets handoffs under center. So. Okay, yeah, so he does both. Okay, okay, just making sure. All right, cool. Um, yeah, I'm going to echo a lot of the same things you said. Uh, well, I won't say them, but I agree with everything you said. Uh, first off, his frame is solid enough for a D1 running back. I feel good about him being 5'10", 170. Uh, yeah, you know, I feel pretty good about that. Personally, even if you took off 10 pounds, that's fine. You know, redshirt him and then see what happens. I don't think it'll be, uh, I don't know. I don't think he will struggle to put on some weight. He already looked a little bit bigger in his senior film, so there's that as well. But yeah, uh, a lot of the same things you said. In my opinion, he has really good agility. Like He's very quick in and out of cuts, and he uses that very well, making very sharp cuts, using his blockers well. Um, and he's an efficient runner. I would say he's a very efficient runner out of a lot of these guys. You brought up his patience. I agree with that. I think he's uh, very good with that. His ball carrier vision is very solid as well. And so all those things make him into a very good runner. Um, you know, his straight line speed is solid enough, I would say. Like, it's not like, you know, he's not the fastest guy in the state, but like, he could definitely get it going. And then the thing I really like that I think you brought up. Uh, is that, you know, he doesn't really shy away from contact. You know, he's he's a tough player to bring down, I would say, at times. Obviously, there are times where he gets caught from behind, but when it's like him in a pile, like, I trust him to, you know, like, be physical and not shy away from that physicality, and so I really like that. And then, last but not least, I think he could definitely be a special teams type of guy. He had some special teams plays there where he was returning kicks, I want to say. So... Um, that's a plus because of versatility. So yeah, I really like this kid. You know, obviously we said that we brought up that he is playing for a very good Cherry Creek team. There's no doubt that he's a big part of this team though. Like I, I said, there are doubts that he might be a system player, but I still think on his own, he would be pretty solid enough. I'm just saying there are doubts that he's a system player or that he is a system player. So there's that but that being said cody let's talk about his uh outlook here um cody well first before we start did you see if he had any offers yet or walk-ons or whatever yeah so he actually has an offer to our very own alma mater university of northern colorado it looked like that was his only offer but i mean that's still still division one you know uh go ahead and it sounds like you have some thoughts on that. Go ahead and elaborate. <laughs> okay. Um, here, let me... Okay, actually, it doesn't matter. Look, I have I have a degree from the University of Northern Colorado. I met a lot of really good people, including you, Cody, and then a lot of uh, the people that we started this podcast with from the University of Northern Colorado. I have a lot of great memories from the University of Northern Colorado. With that being said... James Walker is better than the University of Northern Colorado. Uh, uh, well, at least in my opinion, I think he could garner some bigger offers potentially. I think he, I wouldn't say he's a power five guy, but potentially I could see him being a solid guy like, you know, at, at, at a Mountain West school or a CUSA type of school. I could see him do that um, just a step above FCS, you know. I think in the right situation, he could definitely get an offer to like a, 
uh, I, I don't know, like a San Diego State. I know they do a good job developing running backs there. And that would be, I don't know, I think that would be a very solid fit for him there. But if he was to go to the University of Northern Colorado, um, a lot could happen between now and then. Now, not that I doubt that we can't pull James Walker, but if we do, I think that'll be a very big steal. Um, I think at the FCS level, he's pretty much a good fit wherever. Uh, I wouldn't say he can start right away, but if he does do some of the things that we want him to improve on, I think there's a good chance that he could compete for snaps potentially as an underclassman whether it's a freshman or sophomore personally i always think that it's good to redshirt so you could you know get the most out of your potential and i think if he does do that then he would definitely be in the running to compete for snaps at unc um you know as as a as a redshirt freshman or as a sophomore academically and so i personally really like that i like the scheme that he would potentially be playing in uh, in Ed McCaffrey's scheme and then just in general even before Ed McCaffrey James Walker is the type of ideal running back that UNC has wanted for a really long time you know the Milo Halls of the world like he was he was a no one knows who he is but he was a very solid running back coming out of um, the state and then going to UNC and he had a good year it's a shame that he didn't play for the greatest team but I think if James Walker was to walk into a UNC situation uh, I, I would like it a lot. I think, I mean, this goes without saying, you know, on the FCS level, I think he could pull any, he could pull a full ride scholarship from any of the schools. So, but that's my opinion. Cody, what do you think? Yeah, I definitely will agree and echo everything you said that James Walker, I think he could do better than FCS. I, I definitely think he could be an FBS player. Um, uh, I think the Mountain West is fine, you know. Uh, I'm not sure what, and, and a lot of this is depending on situation and COVID. Like it makes it so much harder. So I could see Walker potentially committing. Um, I do think that Ed McCaffrey knows who James Walker II is, you know, seeing as that he was a high school coach and he knows the state really well. So for a guy like Ed McCaffrey to want James Walker II, I think that should echo. Or, or, you know, at least send up a flair of some sort that this guy, especially, you know, Ed McCaffrey was an NFL player. He has an eye for talent. He developed some good talent at Valor Christian High School. And I think that he's going to develop some good talent here at the University of Northern Colorado. So if he's doing it and he has a first eye account of it, living here and coaching here for a little bit, then other schools should take notice in him. I, I think that you know, you, you have a potentially a two-time state champ as well that you can add onto the roster. And for some smaller programs that are trying to change the culture, yeah, and I think that's why he already has an offer from UNC, even without having a 1,000-yard season, is because he knows how to win already. And he knows what it means to win and how to act like a winner. So I think that that's another good reason to target James Walker is, is the state championships and his contributions to those teams and knowing how to play his role. I, I think that a uh, red shirt for him is definitely the way to go. I, I believe that at least for, in most cases, uh, Simon and I both talked about this already that, you know, if you can, it's always best to red shirt, but I think especially for James Walker's future prospects that red shirting and developing is definitely the way to go at, you know, an FBS school. I think you should play at an FBS school. 
Yeah, for sure. Not not that he could go to the or not that he can't go to the NFL. Um, you know, if he if he wasn't playing at an FBS, but you know, it's uh, there's definitely a better opportunity. I do like him. Like if he was to go to UNC, I think that'd be a great fit, though. Just throwing that out there. Um, that doesn't mean that he can't get a better spot than UNC, though. So just throwing that just throwing that out there. You know, I think that's important to keep in mind. So you know, but with that being said, Cody, do you have anything else to add on about uh, James Walker here? Nope, I don't have anything else to add on to James Walker. So coming up next, we'll talk about. You know, some of the recent games of the top five quarterbacks. If you haven't listened to that episode, please do. That's episode 12. And we're going to talk about how they fared in their playoff games thus far. And then we're going to transition into the number one running back on this edition of Colorado Playmakers Class of 2021 Football Edition Running Backs. Coming up next. Welcome back to the 13th episode of the Playmakers Corner podcast. Before we reveal our number one running back prospect out of the state of Colorado in the class of 2021, we're going to go over some of these playoff games because uh, this weekend, actually since this will be coming out on Friday, hopefully, um, you know, starting today and then Saturday, tomorrow as well on Saturday, will be state championship weekend for the colorado football high school playoffs and so with that being said we covered some guys last week who led their team to the state championship so let's talk about well okay 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 before i go on into that though i i have to do this i i personally feel like i have to do this but a quick shout out to eden high school and the fighting reds you know um i basically taught in that school district for a whole year my whole senior year even when covid hit like i was running okay i don't want to make it sound like that but i was basically running um the pe program over there and so during covid that was or i guess during the spring uh with covid so with that being said you know shout out to them boys over there i know they're advancing on to the two-way state championship game which i will for sure be watching obviously not in person um because you know as of now they're limiting well they're not even gonna have anybody come in person but that could change just based on some of the things i've been seeing on social media so there's a lot of time between now now on sunday and then friday whenever this episode will be released but i will be watching that game uh shout out to them boys i know they've worked really hard they're a very impressive group um yeah and i loved being able to teach them so a lot of my former students will be playing for their very first state ring and the first state championship that Eden will have in over 20 years i'm pretty sure so good for them but let's talk about some of the boys that we talked about last week also shout out to all the quarterbacks that reached out to us we really appreciate the love the support all that great stuff thank you for sharing us um we're hopefully looking to get some of those top quarterbacks onto the show. Like I said, this week is state championship week, so we're going to let them, you know, I won't necessarily say relax because there's that pressure of winning, but we'll let them focus on this game for this a week. And then, you know, if they can come on, we'll love to have them on. But let's talk about Griffin Loritano, uh, the quarterback out of Evergreen. He led his team to the playoffs, and it, it went probably how – Cody, you and I expected it. 
they didn't win. And it wasn't like it was a close loss either. They got blown out by Holy Family, who was what well, wasn't Holy Family ranked number one in three A? I could be wrong. Two. Though. They're the two or sorry, seed in two A bracket. No, 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 no. As in they're Wait. the two seed in that oh, bracket. Oh, oh my bad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They so are they're ranked two. I mean that's a <laughs> That's 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 tough to hack though. So they did lose 41 to six. Still though, shout out to Griffin Loritano. Um, he did give us some love on Twitter and all of that. Um, but I mean, we talked about this know, Evergreen team not being overwhelming. So yeah, Griffin, he he would have. I I don't know. He would have had to do a lot. And Holy Family, they're a solid four three A squad. They're a very very solid team. So. That was kind of a hard ask, in my opinion, to be a team like Holy Family. Um, so, I don't know. There you go. The only other team that was ranked below them, I think, was Fort Morgan, which is interesting. But, yeah. So, that being said, they did lose in the first round in the playoffs. But in the second round of the playoffs, they did go head-to-head with a Jordan Wolverton out of Durango High School. Uh, Jordan, he beat Lutheran. Um, 47 to six in the first round. So a very convincing win over a solid team over at Lutheran over there. And then he went on to go up against Holy Family. So some of the notes I got here, honestly, I, I watched, so I didn't watch any of the highlights cause I don't think they've been released yet, but I was able to stream the game. And so I got to watch some of that. Uh, I was flipping in between that one and then the Palmer Ridge of uh, Fountain Fort Carson game. And so, um, they, you know, in what I did see against Holy Family, first off, the setup of the stream wasn't very great. Uh, didn't tell you what down it was or what quarters, so or what the time was. So, <laughs> so I was basically just watching football, and there's no announcers, so uh, all I could really see is the score. But <laughs> right off the bat, though, it, it I, I don't know. It was interesting. I personally thought. And Cody, you probably have a little bit more experience here. I don't know because you actually – I don't think you actually coach against Holy Family, but I mean like just football experience here in Colorado in general. But I personally thought that Holy Family was traditionally a very physical, like big team, right? Like they'll grind you to a pulp and they'll play their game and they're there to beat you up. They're that kind of squad. Was I, Am I wrong to assume that, Cody? No, you're not wrong. And actually – I, I got to play against them in CSU Pueblo during a football camp when I was in high school, and they were huge. Like, their linemen have always been gigantic in comparison to the whole state. And, yeah, they're, they're a prestigious program here in, in the state of Colorado. So uh, I feel like I know where you're going with this point. But, uh, yeah, they kind of uh, came out flat is a nice way to put it. Yeah. They, <laughs> I don't know. They just they didn't play physical. If I'm being honest, yeah, they did come out flat. Um, I they struggled. First off, they just struggled against the run. Um, and not, I mean, I don't know. I don't want to hate on Durango's running backs. Um, but spoiler alert, uh, Durango's running back isn't the number one running back on our list, and he didn't even really make our list at that. Uh, but you know they. <sighs> I don't know. They just kind of let that guy do whatever they wanted to them, to be honest. And, you know, by the first quarter or second quarter, they were already up like 21 to zero. I think Jordan had a nice little eight yard run there, I want to say, um, like before half and whatnot. And then 
I don't know. They kind of, eh, you know, the Holy Family woke up a little bit after halftime, which is good. You know, they made it kind of a game. I think they got to closest they had to get to was either 21 to seven or it doesn't matter the closest they got to was a 14 point lead or just being down by 14 points so a 14 point deficit deficit and so uh holy family they did score a little bit made it 21 to 7 made it interesting um after that though i i believe i believe that jordan did throw a touchdown making it 28 to 7 and then holy family scored making it 28 to 14 uh, but by that time, it was already the fourth quarter, and basically what happened is that, and you can look it up, Cody, I'm sure the highlight's out there somewhere, but, you know, Jordan Wolverton, we mentioned him as a dual threat, and he really did have a lot of passing here. We'll talk about his stats later, but uh, on in the fourth quarter, he basically threw the dagger into Holy Family and took off for a 50-plus yard touchdown run, and on the run, like, he had an opening, you know, the best bet for Holy Family was to get him at the line of scrimmage. They just straight missed, and then he burnt everyone else for 50 yards and threw the dagger into Holy Family and sent Durango to the Colorado High School State Championship. I don't think, I don't think this is their first time there. I don't know, Cody. I I could be wrong. I don't know Durango's like history like that, but this is definitely the first time I feel since I've moved to Colorado and I've been here for almost eight years. So. It's it's been a while, you know. Durango in the past, they got I think they got kicked out in the first or second round of the playoffs last year. So the fact that they could make it to uh you know the state championship, it's uh it's a big deal. But Cody, do you want to talk about uh Jordan Wolverton's stats here? I mean, really <laughs> he didn't have to pass the ball, is what it comes down to. So, you know, obviously this win and you know his running ability was on full display during this game and that's good to see for recruiters um and you know if he can add a ring to his resume i think that does nothing but helps him and you know turns you know those preferred walk-ons that he's he's getting looked at for and if he passes for a couple touchdowns like i think he throws three touchdowns in the state championship game if he can eke that out that he definitely has scholarships lined up for him you know as opposed to preferred walk-ons yeah for and sure they were, they were the underdog in this game by the way and then they won by 20 so yeah yeah this is this really wasn't that close of a game at any point like like i said the closest holy family got was being down by 14 which is still two scores so Eh, you know um also the I, I mean i don't know i i think this is worth mentioning jordan also had a interception the only interception in this game early on in that first half uh they're originally up 14 to 0 and then jordan got that pick and then that set up another touchdown drive to make them to make it 21 to 0 so there you go you know contributing where uh <laughs> at, at other places which is sometimes what you need it's good it's good looks you know but yeah i do agree if he has a big and look let's shoot I, I let's 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 uh ratio this real quick uh as the kids say let's ratio this real quick um jordan and durango they're going up against roosevelt high school the number one seed in 3a <laughs> roosevelt's tough they've first off they've always been tough but yeah um 
their toughest matchup i think they had a little scare in the first round against fort morgan and low-key roosevelt is kind of known for like uh, you know maybe not doing the best in the first couple rounds of the playoffs and you know there's there's a little bit of bangle syndrome there if you if you know if you want to look into that or if you know what that is i don't want to say it so there you go but they got past fort morgan by one point then they went on to go up against Pueblo South, which is a very good football program. Pretty sure they've made it to the state championship um, against Palmer Ridge, actually, the last couple years. And and then they blew out Pueblo South 49-19. to <laughs> And so then now they get to face uh, Durango. And so up to this point, both of these teams have pretty much blown out every team they've played in the playoffs. And so Roosevelt's going to be a tough team. Uh, you know at this point it's you know hey it's do or die like you gotta sacrifice everything you gotta go all out i think this should be a very good game to watch in my opinion um but this could be a marquee i want to say legacy win for jordan wolverton almost if he gets his dub against roosevelt because that'll be a i don't know that'll be quite a feat for sure um first off winning the state championship but beating a great team as you know like roosevelt that'd be that'd be awesome so looking forward to that so yeah but cody do you have anything else to add on to that game sorry i just interrupted you there no you're good i was just gonna say i think that brings us to our 4a matchup between palmer ridge and fountain fort carson simon you want to tell us what luke McAllister looked like in this game i mean we we all see that palmer ridge is back in the state championship so you know he he's not the reason that they're not there which is obviously a good thing, <laughs> but you know, you you said you were able to get a good look at this game. What happened in this game, and what did Luke McAllister look like against Fountain Fort Carson? Yeah. So, um, first things first, let me let me set the background. So, Fountain Fort Carson and Palmer Ridge both made that jump from 3A to 4A this season, and so <laughs> the fact that both of these teams are here at 4A, you know, and you know they they're competing for a state championship spot says a lot you know it says a lot that both of these teams are very quality and that they deserve to be here because before the last three state championships that Palmer Ridge won were all in um uh were all in 3A you know so like i said i mentioned Pueblo South you know and they basically ran that conference so that you know that that was kind of a big deal for them to make that jump and then to be here uh, you know, so let's talk about this game, though. So I got to watch this game from the beginning to the end, and it was a good one. I'm not going to lie. It was a good one. Um, I'll, I'll talk about Luke McAllister, but I got to be honest with you, Cody. Basically, the whole first quarter, each team was taking turns seeing who could commit the most penalties. Like, I, I swear to God, Cody. I've never seen the most third and 25s in my entire life <laughs> than oh, in this first man. quarter of the semifinals. It was bad. Like, it was holding penalties. It was late starts. It was offsides. It was literally every single dinky little penalty you could think of uh, that resulted in so many third and 25s. Um, it was bad. So, you could tell right off the start, both teams were very nervous. Um, here was what was on the line for Palmer Ridge. First off, you know, going to state out at the 4A level, that's that's pretty good, you know, when you're making that jump. So that's always a big deal. But to add on to that pressure, this if they won this game, which, you know, we'll get to that in a little bit, then they would have, 
got their fourth straight bid to a state championship, which would also mean their best chance. Well, yeah, it would be their best chance to four Pete. And Cody, like I said, I don't know Colorado football history like this, but I'm, I can't really think of a football team that has four peated as a, you know, as state champs, you know, in Colorado, like I'm, that would be history. Three peats already a lot, but four peat, that's something that could be cemented in for good. You know what I'm saying? So there's a lot of pressure there. This is history. This is Colorado football history here. We're talking about with that. And so that showed because Luke was not, in my opinion, playing very up to what we would usually see him play right obviously last week he he destroyed pine creek who's a very good football program but uh this game he was a very like i I don't know you could see the jitters were there um he took a bit to get going there are there are a couple of throws that he missed that were wide open in my opinion or okay i I don't want to say wide open but there are throws that luke McAllister should definitely make one of those being and i noted this it was like a third and long I, you know, like I said, I'd lost count at how many third and 20s there were, but it was a third and long. His receiver ran a really good comeback route, or maybe it was a curl route. Um, and he, he was open. The receiver was open, but Luke just sailed it out of bounds. It was not a good throw. And there are a couple of throws like that. Um, but Luke, you know, he, at the end of the day, he got it going for Pine or for Pine Creek. He got it going for Palmer Ridge. Um, <laughs> the, the play that, is probably the play of the game or one of the plays of the game is at the very i want to say it's either the first or second quarter he like rolled out left and then he ripped like a 60 plus yard bomb to a receiver on the run it was a perfect throw uh the receiver was covered too but you know luke just made a fantastic throw it looked like a very patrick mahomes-esque kind of throw and he got them on the board then after that, you know, Fountain Fort Carson came back with a trick play, had a 60-yard bomb of their own, and then they, you know, and then that's when that third down happened where he missed that throw. And so, uh, other than that, you know, he eventually calmed down. He did throw two picks. Um, the first one, I kind of saw where he was going there. It was one-on-one coverage. I think he believed that his receiver would beat the corner, but the ball maybe wasn't the best ball, you know, like he could have put it out a little bit more and he just didn't. And so that was easily picked off. That was one-on-one coverage. I'm so I don't really blame him for that one in my head. It's just like, all right, well, you got to get something going. Like, you know, it is what it is, right? Uh, Still not a good decision though. He could do better. But after that, then there was a, Jesus. (laughs) After that, like, I, I think he was trying to go downfield again, but this time he definitely threw into double or triple coverage. He was forcing it. You could see it. Like, this is a weakness we brought up. He was trying to force the pass. And it wasn't even, in my opinion, it wasn't anywhere close. It was going to get picked off by somebody. And, you know, uh, Fountain Fort Carson picked it off. Uh, I don't think they scored off of it. So they got really lucky. So those two were kind of a big deal. Um, you know, it was a kind of a big deal. But uh, then after that, he kind of got going. He found his rhythm. He had a very key pass on fourth down. He found his tight end, which, by the way, might make an appearance on the top five tight ends or receivers on this list because, man, did that tight end made a play. But basically, the tight end caught it at, you know, five yards uh, past the line of scrimmage and then took it 50-plus yards to the house, like, on his own. It was – you got to look it up. It was a really good play. And, you know, that kind of swung the momentum there. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, you know, uh, Luke McAllister, he did what he had to do. 
he played all right. You know, he got a he got a small, a very short rushing touchdown. It was off a sneak too, but you know they did win. Oh shoot! Here, let me take a look real quick. They won, so they ended up winning 28 to 12. It was definitely a closer game going into the fourth than it seemed like they were down or they weren't down. They're up 21 to 12 at the beginning of the fourth. So could have won either way, but you know, Luke, he trusted his team, played well, he got through it. And then now he's back uh, on the big stage against Loveland who actually upset it. The number one seed uh, Dakota Ridge team, 20 to 14. So Loveland is that <laughs> they're Cody. You you've played Loveland firsthand, right? Yeah. You could talk hey, on Loveland hey, if you want. I I will say I will say I got I got my my first win against Loveland's freshman team as the OC. Shout out to uh, Scott was on the show before, right? Uh, no, we, we've I, talked about having him on the show. We'll have Scott on the show, though. Hopefully well, someday. I don't know if I want to name drop, but Coach M, you know, coaching a heck of a defense and all the assistant coaches too, uh, you know, co- I'll, I'll use their last names, just their first letter, Coach D and Coach Q, um, and, and and getting that dub on the freshman level. So just wanted to pat myself on the back. But Loveland is really good. Um, they're, they're no joke. They run a bunch of... Uh, different defenses, I will say, and so McAllister will get will get a lot of looks, and I'm interested to see how he reacts to that. As far as you know, Loveland can play a four four, a four three, a five two, um, a three five. So you know, there's definitely going to be a lot of diversity, I think, thrown at Luke this coming weekend. And you know, their offense is a very ball control offense. I don't know if you saw this, Simon, but their quarterback is one of the leading rushers in the state of Colorado. As is, you know, some of their running backs are in the mix too. And, you know, they're very deep and, you know, I think that they're, they can score points. And so it's up to, it's up to Luke to see how, you know, Palmer Ridge does this weekend. Loveland is good though. And that's why they're in the state championship. They ain't no joke. Yeah, no, I agree. I think, I honestly think this Loveland team is better than any of the other teams they won in their last, they won against in their last three state championship uh, state championship squad so uh, i don't know you know i think just like jordan this will be a very good testament to you know exactly how good he is right i mean i know he's committed to csu but you know a win over loveland four peating like this dude <laughs> this dude luke McAllister, has the potential to literally win a state championship every year of high school so you know like look i'm gonna just be honest in my opinion the last guy i saw the last quarterback i saw basically win almost every year of high school was kyler murray when he went undefeated in high school and won a state championship every year that's all i'm saying obviously colorado defenses aren't texas defenses but you know this will be a big deal this will be history like i said and the pressure's on the pressure's been on for a while now so this is the cul- culminating point right here for uh for palmer ridge uh, and not just luke McAllister. i'm i'm saying palmer ridge in general because they have a lot of talent on that squad they're, they're probably one of the more talented teams next to cherry creek in my opinion so they're they'll have their work cut out for them so i don't know cody do you have any uh, reactions to that 
Uh, no, I think that you're spitting 100%. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing that you said there that's incorrect. And, you know, I think a, a win in this championship uh, could be enough to maybe push Luke McAllister into a power five position. It might be it. So, True. Uh, okay, Cody, I, I got to ask you, though. So let's let's talk legacy, you know, for, for a minute now. I know we don't really talked about that a ton but let's talk legacy right if luke McAllister does win against loveland on shoot when i think they play on friday so today when this podcast comes out later today what does that say about luke McAllister's legacy and palmer ridge's legacy moving forward does luke McAllister become the golden standard for quarterbacks in colorado well i think that honestly depends on where he goes a little bit you know i think that a lot of state success is based off of you know obviously what you do inside the state but what do you do after you leave uh because what i mean you think about colorado football legends you have like christian mccaffrey at the very top and then like you know there's a bit of a gap so luke mccallister i think has a very good chance to fill that gap I think huge things that play into the legacy of Luke McAllister is, like you said, they went from 3A to 4A this year. Teams don't find a lot of success jumping up like that as fast as, you know, especially going right back to a state championship. That's just not super common. So that's also a huge testament to the staff. But it's up to Luke McAllister to win this game and cement his legacy. Because the staff's legacy is set, right? They got to a championship after jumping up. But if Luke McAllister can dethrone Loveland, you know, therefore throwing off – when you when you tarnish someone else's chance at a legacy, it only improves <laughs> yours. I mean, it, right. you could think about – this is a very far-out comparison, but any team that's beat LeBron, it's done wonders for their legacy, right? Yeah. So this is McAllister's chance to inflate his legacy by deflating some – some other team's legacy. And I, I think it could only help him. But I... It's it's hard to say if it's the golden standard in the moment, right? Yeah, but sure. I think people will be talking about it for years to come. And, and will at least be the golden standard in the next few years. But I also think it depends on what the next quarterback at Palmer Ridge does. Because if they just go back to another state championship, then maybe this doesn't mean as much. But... Sure. Okay. It sure can be the moment. All right. Well, then, fair enough. Um, I mean, well, I don't know. I personally think he'll become the gold standard unless there's someone better. But who knows? Maybe Palmer Ridge is <laughs> – maybe Palmer Ridge is uh, cementing themselves in history as the Patriots of Colorado. You know, each state well, has one. Each state has one. I just got to say it. Each state has one. So – you know, for a really long time, Colorado, it was kind of like, yeah, Valor Christian's that top dog. And then they fell off a little bit um, after they lost their guys. But I'm just saying, man, four state championships in four years. I got to say, that's impressive. But with that being said, um, well, OK, before we move on, shout out to Luke McAllister and to, to be honest, the entire Palmer Ridge football team. They have shown this podcast a ton of love 
not gonna lie they've shown us a ton of love uh not only to our social media but my personal social media on twitter as well they've been going a little wild not gonna lie and i love it you know i love palmer ridge um i never thought in my life i'd ever say that because i've trained so many kids who have come up short against palmer ridge but you know much love to y'all over there we hope y'all win. I'm gonna be honest. I don't think Cody wants Loveland to win, obviously. So please be Loveland. <laughs> oh my God, they made me so mad. <laughs> they hurt my feelings. <laughs> yeah. So we 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 did y'all play Loveland twice too, or am I tripping? No, no, no. No, no wait. Oh, just kidding. That's another. Okay, never mind. Never mind. But yeah, yeah. So Cody does want Loveland to win. Uh, I don't know Loveland like that, but you know, I know Cody and I know Scott, so. <laughs> yeah let's go palmer ridge go durango and go eden uh this coming up weekend but with that being said let's talk about uh real quick let's talk about fountain fort carson because uh like i said they made the jump from 3a to 4a and a lot of that was on the back of their star running back and ah, man what a guy he was. I, I could talk about his game a little bit here, but you know what, Cody? Why don't you go ahead and introduce him and uh, talk on Q Jones a little bit here? I mean, you heard Simon introduce him. Q Jones, our number one running back on the 2021 Colorado Playmakers edition football running backs position. Q Jones. So you heard it. Fountain Fort Carson, they made it to the semifinals. And part of that is due to Q Jones. And in the first round of the playoffs, Q Jones ran for 332 yards. And that is just, that's not a sample. That's that's not a one-time thing. That is who Q Jones is as a player. He is dynamic. He is incredible. And he is a Superman of Fountain Fort Carson. And probably the best player they've had in their school's history. Led the, you know, led all of football in Colorado with 1,727 yards and 19 touchdowns, five foot 11, 185 pounds, excellent size looking at that next level. But you know what? We'll start, you know what? I'm just going to keep, I'm just going to keep rolling on his strengths. Q Jones has insane footwork. I mean, oh my gosh, just he somehow when he breaks down to make a move, he's still moving forward and it's, it's so seamless. All of his cuts and jukes and jives, they're all seamless. Like, it's just so much fun to mo- watch. Q Jones, oh my god. But I had more fun watching his film than probably anybody else's combined on this list. No offense, but he's just so dynamic. He, and as his acceleration, like, is just so... It's elite. It's elite acceleration. Honest to goodness, I think that you know he could go zero to sixty real quick. I'd be really interested interested to see what his forty time is, but he's he's great at finding those those moments and those little tiny gaps and taking it all the way to the house. He's he's he also has pretty solid vision. I will admit that you know due to his speed, it doesn't have to be the best, but when he is called upon to make a decision or make a cut, he can. And then I also want to point out Q Jones, he gets pancakes, man, as a, whether it's a lead blocker or whether it's in the pass blocking game. And so I think Q Jones is probably the most, one of the more complete packages of a running back that you can see in the state of Colorado. And boy, can he run. Uh, Simon, what were some strengths you saw? 
on the Q Jones side of things. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I I have no idea how this guy has no stars at all. Because um, he has been playing since his, oh, kind of, we'll get to that later. But he's played since his sophomore year. He started his sophomore year. Um, so that's how much of a natural talent he really is out here. Um, look, so le- let me talk about his game first against Palmer Ridge. So Palmer Ridge, and I've known this because I've studied them for a while. I love watching them play defense. But they're a very stout defense, very disciplined, you know. They'll, they'll limit their big-time playmakers on the opposite side of the ball, and they'll key in on that, you know. And so um, Q Jones being that guy, they keyed in on Q Jones. With that being said, if it wasn't for a couple penalties, Q Jones would have ripped them up to, to pieces. And he low-key still had a really, you know, he had a solid enough game. Um, the, thing, the thing about Q Jones is that he's just a threat whenever he has the ball. You know, like you, like you, you gotta ta- you gotta gang tackle him. Like, you know, first of the first defenders and whatnot. Like, he'll usually break those tackles, and he's just a very shifty, elusive type of guy. We've you could see it on his highlight reel. He's juked the, oh my god, he's juked players out of their ankles badly. Like I remember, and this is a very specific play. He was running out left. He got into open field. And this, I want to say it was either the cornerback or safety was coming down to tackle him. And Q Jones gave him a little, like, you know, he, he gave him a little, he put a move on him. And that was more than enough to, like, freeze the guy and then make the guy trip over himself before he accelerated 50 yards for a touchdown. Like, it was insane, you know. He's an electric guy. And, you know, against Palmer Ridge, um, there, there are two plays specifically that stuck out to me. Obviously, I think he had one really big play that counted. So there's that that contributed to Fountain Fort Carson trying to fight their way back into the game. But before that, in the first quarter, there is a really long, like 50 plus yard uh, touchdown run that he had. And it was nasty. Like, he he made the right read, and then he juked out a linebacker, and then he just completely burnt the entire secondary 50 yards to the house. Unfortunately, it was called back for a hold. So, like I said, Cody, that that was the game where there were so many third and 25s, and so that was one of them. Um, So that happened. That didn't count. Then Then a couple drives later, I think it was still in the first half, Q Jones was catching a ball out of the backfield. It was a swing pass. And man, was that, <laughs> oh my God, it was Palmer Ridge caught slipping. Like their corners were there, like they're getting blocked, but they're there. And then you could see everyone kind of shift towards him, but it was already too late by the time he had the ball. And so he basically brought that 50 plus yards to the house uh, after catching it. And then that was called back for holding again, which I, I don't know how, because it was a pass play, but it was called back for a holding somehow. So whoops, there you go. So those are two big plays that, um, would probably have given Fountain Fort Carson a really good lead in this game. Um, cause like I said, it was 21 to, I want to say 12 or 21 to 13, something like that leading into the fourth. And so those were very key, but those alone showed me how dynamic this guy is, how much of a threat he is just with the ball in his hands. You know, like in my opinion, he has next level agility. He could juke out pretty much anybody in the state. Um, I definitely believe that hands are very solid. He, they use him out of the backfield a lot, catching and whatnot, usually on swing routes. But, you know, I'm sure he could run other routes as well. So there's that. But um, he runs very well in between the tackles. There are times uh, that he, 
well not times but like in this game against palmer ridge they did run him in between the tackles quite a bit you could tell they weren't trying to overuse him but like look i'm just gonna be honest cody the only way they're winning this game was if hugh jones just got the ball all the time but i i don't think they wanted to do that just in case they did play in the state championship next weeks which you know it's questionable to be honest it's it's a little questionable you know you want your best player to get the ball a ton and i felt like they could have given him a, a couple more chances but whatever that being said you could still run in between the tackles be still very physical um uh what's another thing as prototypical size 511 180 that's pretty solid he has great sophomore film cody i don't know if you saw his sophomore highlights or his game film at all but it's <laughs> it's it's basically like everything you would expect from a senior year almost as well like it's it's phenomenal you know um so yeah and then last but not least you know he does have a 3.85 gpa which is probably the highest gpa out of all the running backs on this list so there you go but good job q yeah i know he's getting after it and also you know he he supports uh uh, social issues as well he definitely wrote blm on his uh raps uh earlier this season to support that moving forward he, he did that a couple times actually so shout out to him he's a standout guy you won't have to worry about him off the field i don't think um he's a very stand-up guy and that's the type of guy that a lot of d1s even nfl people would want on their squads so so yeah but um let's okay Cody, do you mind if I lead off with negatives real quick? I don't have a ton, but yeah, go for improvement. It. But okay, um, look, okay, I, I'm just gonna throw out a couple that he could actually work on. <laughs> first things first, uh, I think maybe I'd like to see him run a little bit more variety of routes, potentially even out of the slot. I think he can do it because I think just the more you could get this guy the ball, the better. You know, so if you could improve his route running, uh, getting off the press, all that stuff, running out of the slot, that'd be great. You know, so bam, that's easy. He could do that. Uh, I like to see a variety of routes work on the route running. So bam, there you go. Uh, another thing I'd like to see him put on slightly more weight and get to a playing weight of, uh, I wrote down 190 to 195. I think he could even hit 200. Um, if he could do that, just like this doesn't, you know, he doesn't have to do it this year or even in the next two years, if he could just do this, like, I don't know, by his sophomore or even junior or senior year, I think he will be set for the NFL, in my opinion, uh, weight-wise. So that's really good there. Um, so, yeah, 190, 195, I think that's a very good weight for a 5'11 running back. That's where a lot of running backs his size in the NFL are. So I'd like to see that put on a little bit more weight, which isn't asking a lot. Um, but the biggest thing with Q Jones, I wouldn't even really say an area of improvement because I don't know how you could really improve it. But this is just a big concern. Durability. So I've read a couple articles. I've looked at some news clips and they've all basically said the same thing that he was out basically the last two years. Some said foot injury, but most of them said that he broke his leg. Uh... And so that's why he hasn't played since his sophomore year. Um, he missed, I think, one game his sophomore year and then his entire junior season. That's a kind of a big flag because, look, Co Cody, you know I'm a sport and exercise science um, uh, graduate. You know, not not major anymore, but graduate. So I kind of know what I'm talking about when it comes to injuries like this. A broken leg, you know, 
I don't know. It depends. They weren't specific with what bone was broken or what it was. But it does definitely lead me to believe that maybe it was a bone like like one of the bigger bones uh, in his leg, right? So tibula, shoot, I forgot which one is the bigger one. Tibia, whichever one is the hardest one to break. But it's probably that one. Plus maybe even nerve damage if you want to go there. Because missing almost two years, that says a lot about what the injury was. Like I said, the injury wasn't very specific, but... That's a very big red flag to me. Um, I, it's not. I don't think it's a red flag to hold him back from getting offers, but it's something that everyone should keep in their back of their head when they are recruiting this guy. Um, and you know what? Maybe he'll prove us wrong. He had a very strong senior season, so maybe he's all good. But you know, a broken leg of this magnitude is kind of a big deal to sideline him for almost two years. So, yeah. But Cody, what about you? What are some areas of improvement or concerns for uh, Q Jones here? For Q Jones, he doesn't. You talked about it as far as uh, you know lining him up in other positions, but he's just never thrown to. Um, and I would have liked for Fountain Fort Carson to get him some more opportunities, whether it was on screens or even you know just uh, block and release routes. I mean. I don't know if it was hard for them to send him on passing routes because of how good of a pass blocker he is. That may be something that I'm not looking at, but there just weren't a lot of passing plays. There wasn't opportunities in the pass game for him. And I think that that's tough because I do think that he can make them. But, you know, I just didn't get a chance to see too many. He definitely has less receptions than most of these other running backs in the state. Um and then I also think that, you know, Fountain Fort Carson, a lot of these handoffs were out of deep gun. So when you think about like deep gun handoffs versus under center, you have more time to read it out of shotgun. You know what I'm saying? Because of how deep you are. So you can let the play develop a lot more in front of you right. and then decide what you're going to do. So I wonder what hugh jones would look like under center i don't think it'd be the worst thing because of his vision that he did show that far back but i wonder how much and i mean those two or three yards can make a huge difference especially at the next at the collegiate level where the game is already so much faster so i i do think that is something to keep an eye on um yeah you mind if i do you have anything to comment on that or do you want to talk outlook uh, we could we could talk outlook. Uh, well, wait. What what do you think about his injury though? Like, what? I mean, I don't know. Is that a concern to you or? Well, I mean, you said everything that you need to say, but at the same time, I'm not as worried about it after watching his senior year film. Um, okay. He seems just as dynamic. I feel like he more than answered the question, "Is he okay?" <laughs> you know. Um, yeah. It's pretty hard to hold that against him after he runs for 300 yards in a playoff game um you're right <laughs> uh so i think he's good to go obviously you know fr- from a scouting perspective that is you know a red flag for sure but i think his senior year at least would put away any concerns for me looking at it yeah no for sure um yeah i i mean okay yeah i agree i like i said it's nothing against him it's just you got to keep it in mind, you know, like as a scout, 
Like, you can't just be like, oh, yeah, he broke his leg and was sat out for two years and then sweep that under the rug. Like, you know, it's just something to keep in mind. It's his medical history. Um, it would probably do him good to bulk up a little bit more in that area, in his lower body area as well. But, yeah, let's talk outlook. Go ahead, Cody. Yeah, so Q Jones, he's definitely a Division One football player. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's, I, I think it's insane that he's not on – I think some power five boards, really. I mean, it's it, for Q Jones, defenses knew what Fountain Fort Carson was going to do. Yeah. They were going to hand the ball off to Q Jones. And he did it with, you know, uh, obviously his sophomore year, a little bit. He, he found success. And his senior year, he found success. So I think that the talents around him, like the offensive line talent, obviously changed so you can't take away from his accomplishments because oh they had this this and this right on the offensive line i think that q jones is set up to succeed and i think that he's definitely like definitely a pac-12 running back like super easily yeah um and i think that he could also find some success you know in the acc i think that he'd be a good fit for a lot of acc offenses and, um, you know, depending on where he goes, I, I think that I would love – and this is this is where the injury history comes in. I'd love to give him a redshirt year specifically to work on his legs and, you know, just make sure that when he's healthy or, – or make sure – not when he's healthy because he is healthy already. Make sure that, you know, that part of his body is protected, right? through the exercises that you're doing and bulking him up. So that way, when he suits up as a sophomore, he can take carries. And I mean, like, workhorse load like we saw this senior year. You know, he averaged over 10 yards a carry. Yeah. That's yeah. insane, right? So you want to get this guy the ball? I easily think at the collegiate level, he could be a five yards per carry kind of guy. I really do. And But I do think that... If you want him to play for your program for two years, three years, and you can give him the same amount of carries every year that you give him a redshirt freshman year. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I shoot. I definitely agree. I'm going to be honest. Like, I know he was hurt all of his junior year and then senior year looked a little iffy because of COVID. But I, I don't know. This this is definitely one of the better success stories uh, out of coming out of this season right um especially for q jones like up until this part up until this point you know it wasn't it wasn't a guarantee that he'd even be able to play his senior year like all the film he had was from his sophomore year well then here he comes out he plays a heck of a season makes the best out of pretty much every single game this season even the game he did lose against palmer ridge like if you were watching it you'd be more than impressed with this dude going up against as talented and as disciplined as a defense like that and so all that being said like he's a great success story and i think easily if he did get to play his junior year he might even be a four-star running back type of guy um someone who'd be getting offers from a lot i mean a lot of different places um like shoot i don't know i agree with everywhere you said pac 12 would definitely be great um i, I would say even big 12 too you know i think 
if he was for any reason to go to like an Oklahoma even and you know it pains me to say that but if he was to go to an Oklahoma that'd be a very good fit for him um I at least personally I would think so him and Spencer Radler that'd be great <laughs> I shoot I you know it's pain it's hurting me saying that Cody so congrats you have this recording now but I do think if he was to go to an Oklahoma he'd be big time over there assuming he could stay healthy and all that well I guess that's with you know anywhere he goes but yeah so for sure he's a power five guy um like Jordan Wolverton like Luke McAllister even like LR3 he's somebody in my opinion who deserves a way better offers than what he has now this is somebody that needs to be scouted by power five squads and be offered a full ride by power five squads anything less than a full ride don't take it you know he's that talented in my opinion um and he can't afford to do that all he has to you know just hey look at my senior film look at my sophomore film you know before and after the injury there's barely you know much uh of a difference you could see there and so i think he has that uh privilege which is something not a lot of athletes in colorado could say um but he has that privilege to do you know to basically pick where he wants to go and even if he was to walk on somewhere he's gonna compete for snaps or just someone with that kind of speed and agility like that's a hard deny i'm being if i'm being honest so you know um say he doesn't get those offers <laughs> he could pretty much go to any fcs school too and then still go to the nfl from there uh for any reason if he was to go to unc and get paired up with james walker that'd be a pipe dream just go throw that out there that'd be a pipe dream but he could be a day one starter for unc if he went to unc so northern colorado that is so yeah there's no dispute there is there cody no not at okay all. <laughs> not at all. okay cool yeah and he'd oh my god he'd kill it you know he'd kill it over there he'll, he'll kill it wherever so basically the point of the story is <laughs> well okay the point of everything we've been saying about q jones is that he deserves a better offer he's a fantastic success story he's a great guy you know from everything we've heard of um if we could ever get him onto the show that'd be great but yeah honestly he's probably i don't know like i i've looked at other players at the state you know at other positions and in my opinion he might even be the number one prospect moving forward um out of colorado which is saying a lot because we have some four star and three star guys coming up hopefully next week soon so yeah anything else to add cody nope i i think that's all we got and just to run through the list one more time number five running going one through five we'll go one through five go for it q jones the best running back in the state of colorado number two james walker the second out of cherry creek number three noah wagner number four holden morgan and number five tristan graff those are your top five colorado playmakers class of 2021 football edition running backs yep and with that being said, make sure you show some love on social media. Share this with everyone. Uh, hey, if you're a player on here or if you're a player, I guess, that wasn't on here, um, hey, give us a follow. DM us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, even TikTok. We have a TikTok now. And as of this, as of today, you know, there should be individual 
TikToks for every single quarterback that we talked about last week. They have their own thing, and hopefully that will be posted on the Instagram as well. So make sure to give us a follow at the Playmakers Corner on TikTok. Um, if you're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, whatever streaming platform, show us some love. You know, hey, drop a rating, drop a good rating at that. Don't don't just drop any rating, but drop a good rating at that. Hopefully. And, um, yeah, hey, our DMs are open. If you're an athlete, feel free to email us, to uh, DM us, whatever. We'd love to have all of you on to the show, to be honest. Uh, talk a little bit more football. Talk about your season especially because the Colorado season, whether the teams we want to win will win or not, will end after this weekend, after tomorrow. So there you go. But uh, I'm one of your co-hosts, Simon Villanos. And I'm Cody Stoffer. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and all those other social medias. And thank you so much for joining us. And stay tuned for the next edition of Colorado Playmakers Class of 2021. We have to determine what the position will be. But see you there. Peace.